Good morning. Uh, let me just first of all say way to go because there are literally hundreds of you who have registered to go through this season in walking through the Gospel of Mark with our soap study. However, let me just say this. If you didn't pick up a physical copy of it, we've printed more that are available for you. If you're thinking, what are you going on about, Des? I haven't been here. Am I too late? No, you're not. And so you can go to the connection point in the lobby afterwards, sign up, It's free. You can then get a book like this. And the idea is that over and take as long as you need to. It's it's split into 42 days, but you can do three days a week, four days a week. You get to be able to journey through the Gospel of Mark, which is the fastest to read, the shortest gospel, the most actually easy to understand. Jesus is portrayed as a servant. It's incredible. And we've simply split that up for you. Everything's in this that you need to know. But for you to slow down and to learn the words of Jesus, then live the ways of Jesus. And in so doing, your life is all about loving like Jesus. That's what a disciple is. Learn, live, love. As the gospel of Mark revealed that in Matthew, come follow me, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you be changed by him. Fishers of men on his mission, his purpose. And so we've got Hard copies available to you, or you can keep with your digital copy or download a digital copy. And so we're going through this series and in just 10 Sundays, trying to cover the whole of Mark, which we know we can't cover all of it in detail, but you're covering all of it in detail. I simply on a Sunday and some other people get to illuminate something that we feel as we've been journeying through, something that we collectively need to focus on and apply. And it's with that today that I'm going to illuminate a little bit from chapter three and a bit from chapter four of Mark. Before we do, tomorrow night, we gather every month, the first Monday of the month, for We Pray. What happens at We Pray? Uh, We pray. Uh, We pray. It's all in the name. And normally we gather in this room. Not tomorrow. Did you hear that? Not tomorrow. We gather at seven, but not in this room. We will gather in our student building, which is at the end of campus, at the Dorsey end of the campus. So we will gather there. There's multiple rooms in there. We're going to come together and do some things a little different and something similar. If you've never been to a We Pray Night, know this. It is not weird. You are free to sit and be and not even engage with anybody else. And that's okay. It's super normal. It's very interactive. You move around. You can sit still all night if you want. But it's a very, very, very engaging, prayerful environment. And I want to encourage you to join us tomorrow night. And one of the reasons for that is we'll then break for summer. So we do 10 of these in a year. So we won't gather in June or July. We'll gather again the first Monday in August. So tomorrow night's kind of that bit of a break but we get to pray into what is ahead of us this summer, which is always significant. So please do that. Now, one more thing to lean into this. You see, it's one thing to come on a Sunday and go, ah, this is nice, I get what I want. But we, as this local expression of Jesus, are part of the kingdom. 
We're part of the movement of Jesus globally. And let's bring it back a little bit. There's a basically a gathering of churches that were forming together to provide a prayer canopy over the Phoenix metropolitan area every single hour of every single day of the year. It's called We Pray All Day. And so on the screen now, weprayallday.com. I want you to get that, write that down, even go on it during my message today. I don't mind, this is better. The purpose of it is this, you go on there and you register. Grace Community Church is committed to praying all over the first Monday of the month. That's our day. And then we'll join other churches in the area and we're going to make sure that every single hour of every day of the year there is prayer coverage, a prayer canopy over this area. And they, you register for that, you get sent text reminders, you get an email, you get something that tells you what we're praying through each month that shifts, that's focused, it's all done for you, totally free, but you have to register. So today, go ahead and do that. Pick a time slot on the first Monday of the month. Pick a time slot that you will do. If somebody's taken your time slot, it's okay. You can still pray as well at that time. All right? But go ahead and do that. So that when I log in tomorrow night, I'm going to see that the first Monday of the month is fully covered, yeah? Because we've picked some time for all of that. And it'll work well with the first Monday of the month because that's when we gather for we pray. So Grace Community Church is there. So there's a number of churches and the goal is as we go through this year to literally get 29, 31 churches covering a day a month and so a prayer canopy. Now if you're thinking, I don't want to pray over this just one day a month. I want to do it a few days. Go register for as many slots as you want. I'm all good with that. We're just saying we've committed to invest in this as a church and the first Monday of the month will be Grace Community Church. That's when we get up, we get that flame, and we carry that torch through that day. But you can engage in that more and more and more. I love that. You know, the unity of the church is a big passion of mine. And so I love that. I think it's an incredible thing, and we are committed to being part of it. Okay? So we pray alldaycom and we just happened to have called our, our gathering We Pray. We weren't in cahoots with them at all. So interesting. All right, you got that? I mean, seriously, if you, you get your switch off during my message, weprayallday.com, just go ahead and register. That'll bear fruit. All right, that'll bear fruit. You got it? Okay. All right, here we go. Mark chapter three, I've picked out a section and then Mark chapter four. I believe in Mark chapter 3, it sets us up for the environment for what we're going to engage in in Mark chapter 4. Get on with it, Des. Okay, Mark 3, verse 7 to 15. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, as the Sea of Galilee, with a la and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. All around. They hear about Jesus. Let's go. Why? Because we need stuff. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many. 
so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designated them, designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Something went boom in that text for me that I need to share. Don't miss the importance of this. Jesus is engaging with crowds. He doesn't dismiss the crowds, but they are not his priority. I mean, he's God. Why not just be efficient? Get a crowd, tell them we're all good. That's efficient. Not Jesus. He doesn't dismiss the crowds, but he navigates the crowds, but they're not his priority. So here we see Jesus with the crowds and we've seen the journey so far, but then he goes up a mountainside and he calls his 12. He calls his 12. Now, let me just lean into the importance of all this that we can miss. Jesus' priority was not the crowds, it was the few. Jesus is the author of less is more. Jesus was the one that says, with this small, this is what can happen. We see it time and time again. We see it in the narrative, even in the Old Testament, of God having victory with less and demonstrating his more. We see this all throughout. We see this purpose of here is a seed, it produces a fruit tree, and that becomes fruitful, which therefore produces multiples of seed, and things continue. There is something in the design of creation, the design of humanity, that the reality is, although crowds have a place, they're not the priority. And yet you'd think, for Jesus, here we go. When Jesus has these crowds, he doesn't ignore them, but he doesn't invest that much in them. Even when Jesus has got the captive audience to demonstrate in front of everybody who he really is, he's got arrested, he's got the Roman ruler next to him, there's influence. He's got all the crowds out there, all the religious kinds, all the others there, and it's presented to him, and he gets a layup. So do you want to say anything, Jesus, from Pilate? And he's like, nope. Why not then, right before them, say, I know you're going to crucify me, but just for the record, this is who I am. Nope. Doesn't convince them. I mean, if I'm God, here we go. That's efficient. Not Jesus. What we do get for that whole narrative is Jesus speaking to one guy next to him and saying, today you'll be with me in paradise. On the one thing he does declare to the crowd when he's on the cross, Father, forgive them. Not a demonstration of his might, a demonstration of his love and his grace. 
So Jesus, and you hear from Mark, the crowds are there, but his priority is the few. So let's go through this in life. We have crowds. You could say, what's your crowd? Your crowd could be, let's just call it the city. Yeah, there's the crowds. There's the people we interact, the crowds. For most of the time, we know that with a crowd, we can't name everybody. Crowds, but they're nameless. It's a collection and they're nameless, a crowd. And it's not that they don't matter, but they're not the priority when it comes to being a disciple. And then you go from a crowd and in church setting, you then draw the crowd in and you have what's called a congregation, a gathering. So here we have it today. Here you could say this is a crowd. I would say this is a congregation because you are all here gathered mostly with the same purpose. Okay? Crowd is a getting on with life with all kinds of different things. A congregation. But even for Jesus, he had the thousands and we know. And then he has these gatherings in synagogues which aren't big crowds and he has these different gatherings of different people. And then he has the committed and the committee would be those who are saying, yeah, we're in on this, we want in. And you see Jesus sending out 72. There's a group, there's a, it's a bit bigger. Doesn't hardly talk about that, but he sends them out. There's a, there's a committed bunch. And one of the things on my heart last summer during my sabbatical was that I knew I had to come back. And I started into the storm for men at 6 a.m. on a Tuesday morning because I knew in my life that the Lord was saying to me, Des, where's the committed that you're investing in? Where's the committed? And so that's why we started that. Men, this Tuesday, we're meeting this Tuesday, and then the third Tuesday in May, then we break for summer. So it's kind of get in now, all right? Get the whole deal. So into the storm, 6 till 7 a.m. next door, Tuesday. If you've not joined us, you can join us this week. It's all great. And it's this more, and a committed crowd, and how we can interact with that. But then Jesus goes from the crowd to the congregation to the committed, but the people who matter most are the core. The core. He has his 12. And I would even then say there's a core inside the core. Because in the scriptures you see all along Jesus investing in Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John get to see things the others don't. He invests even more in these three. What is Jesus modeling? He's modeling that less is more. And he's modeling that the reality is we need to invest in the few because that is the seed that produces fruit. That's how you multiply. There's something about this Jesus model. So when it comes to discipleship, our call is that we're not just disciples. We are, by definition, making disciples. And we're not called to make disciples of the crowd, but the few. And if Jesus modeled it with three or at best 12, how about me and you? Where are we? So we should always be bearing in mind of not thinking, oh, it's all about the crowds. Now, I'll briefly say this. Yes, last year in 2022, I was in awe. We baptized 102 people. I was like, wow. And then this year, we, we come around, and I'm going to declare it to you, we get the end of February, our first baptism gathering, we baptize 42 people, and I'm like, oh, what? Like, if ever, ever there's evidence there's a God, you go, what? 42 people. So last Sunday, I'm, I'm driving here on the way last Sunday, and I'm like, 
because I'm a loser. I'm driving you in the way and I'm going, oh, okay, Lord, well, you know, 42 was just off the charts. You know, we don't need another 42, just whatever. I'd be happy with just 10. Like, I'd, I, and because I was self-preservation-ing. You know what I mean? I'm just confessing here. You thought, I may have faith for a thousand. No. And I was like, well, 42 was just, that was exceptional. Surely we can't expect that. And we got here and I'm like, and then 49, like last week. So I'm thinking, hang about, last year, 102 over four baptism Sundays. We had two baptism Sundays in and we're at 91. I'm like, oh, that's a problem. You're thinking, why are you not jacked and excited? I kind of am, but I'm human. I'm going, that's amazing. Now, let me talk about the numbers because that's a bit of a, a decent number. Here's the why that's the importance in that, that we have to remember. Every single one of those 49 people, or 91 this year, and you're in this room, most of you. Every, I'll say this over and over again, every number has a story. Every story has a name. And every name is precious to God, as was demonstrated and every one of those 49 last week, and we, I could spend probably all day just with stories, the, the transformation and the life change and the journey and the different people who've invested in them, the few. The few. That was a celebration. And every time you hear a story, it's somebody involved, something involved in the few. So don't just think, oh, impact's only possible if you get to speak to many. Oh, no, 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 no. There's the God is weaving his way, and Jesus modeled it. The Jesus way is always about relationships, trust, and closeness. He desires relationship with you for you to trust him. That's faith. And be close to you. And being somebody who learns his words, lives his ways and loves like him, that is then reproduced, fruit bearing, in your life. Who are the few that you have relationship with, build trust with in pointing to Jesus, walking by faith, and closeness with? It's a few. We can't have closeness with a crowd or even with a congregation. But a committed, yes, but it's a core. Who are you walking with? And who are you helping in that? And depending on where you are, there's a journey. I'll get to it today as we go on. So Jesus was not here to convince the crowds. And you'd think God could do that. He didn't go about it by convincing the crowds. He came about it by transforming the few. So here's the definition of a why. When you get a large group, a crowd, even a congregation, the reality is people gather because you have got a consuming bias. You are a consumer. You're a consumer. Most of you here maybe arrived today for something to get. You're wired, our culture is wired as consumers. I, 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 wanna, I need this, I need this. The crowds were following Jesus because they wanted stuff. They saw what he was doing. Why would you not? That's okay. 
We're, we're, when we're built with this consumer bias. I want to consume, I want to consume, I want to consume. Consumption is the goal. The, the problem with that, Jesus broke that down, but the problem with that, most of us don't break free from that. Well, what's in it for me? That we have this consumption mindset. But Jesus investing in the few was to say to them, listen, the reason that I want to feed you is this different. You're going to be filled in such a way that you are going to want to contribute. You want to move from being a consumer to a contributor. You want a piece of the action. You want to be part of this. And this is what God wanted. He could see that his small time on earth invested in a few would result in you and me being here today, 2,000 years on. A bunch of dropouts from school 2,000 years ago, Jesus invests in, and here we are today. Do you want evidence? And that has always been his way. Here's a warning. When you do start to get a gathering of people that goes beyond everybody knows everybody, this is how you lead crowds. This is how you lead them. And the church has got to be on guard for this. And I'm going to make a statement now that says, we need to be on guard with this. You lead larger gatherings and groups of people with control, compliance, and governance. How do we make sure that we herd these cats? Control, compliance, governance. Nothing wrong with that in itself, but is that the way of the church? Hmm. Can we just dance with that? Some of you are like, I don't really care, Des, but some of you are leader types in the room. I think we need to be warned about this. When it comes to the church, Jesus modeled his church, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in this unstoppable force that was unleashed on the earth. Now, there was some boundaries there, but control, compliance, and governance. I'll just say it right now, and I say it with celebration. The church has appointed governance over it, Big C Church, that has all been about control and compliance. It was never meant to be about that. Eldership that was appointed were clearly said, I want to appoint elders over you, over shepherds, and the purpose of them shepherds is prayer and preaching of the word. It was all there in the book of Acts. We have a leadership here right now at Grace, an eldership here right now at Grace, 11 guys, of which I am just one of them, who currently, if they are over shepherds, shepherds cannot be a shepherd unless they touch sheep. They're not sat in an ivory tower making sure you're being well behaved and keeping me in check. The reality is we're engaged and helping. And here's how you see Jesus. The opposite of control, compliance, and governance is this. Jesus, with his disciples, said, guess what? I ain't going to do control, compliance, and governance. I'm going to do loving you, equipping you, and empowering you. That's what he did. Well, his form of control was love. His form of compliance was equipping. His form of governance was, get at it. Total risk taking. 
Incredible. You see, grace, that grace causes them to want to serve and they felt released. This is the role of the church. This is the role of you walking with Jesus. This is how you need to go. You're not here to get the staff to do the ministry. We are here to equip God's people for ministry. I'm just saying, I thought we'd pay you to do it all days. Nope. My role is to, that you get out of here and bring his grace and his mercy and his love. Because he says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, truth, and the life to what? Well, to the Father, but what does that look like? It looks like learn the words of Jesus, live the ways of Jesus, and love like Jesus. It wasn't to keep you in here. It was to get you gathered in here, in the locker room, and get out on the field. Off we go. This is where it is. This is what Jesus is establishing. Now, with that in mind, the whole purpose of God to humanity was to be fruitful. Stay with me on this. I've got into deep discussion. It's a a fake word for argument. Deep discussion with people about what matters most when it comes to following Jesus. And there's an argument over, is it be faithful or is it be fruitful? I'm just saying, you'll never be fruitful unless you're faithful. But in, oh, I'm just faithful and not being fruitful, is like being called a fisherman and staying at home. Our calling is to be fruitful. I'll get into a little bit. You have to be faithful to bear fruit and fruit that lasts, but we're called to be fruitful. All of creation set up that way. Have you seen it? All of creation set up to reproduce after its kind. Humans included. That's the way it's designed to be. If a fruit tree was a fruit tree and it didn't produce fruit, would you call it, oh, way to go in being faithful? Way to go in being alive? That's in your yard. You're pulling it out of the ground. But you're meant to produce some fruit here. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm just being faithful. Moving on. With that in mind, let me uh, skip the next slide. I won't get into that thing because of time. I went way too long at the nine. You don't deserve it. I'll pick it up another week. Let's get into then Jesus in Mark chapter 4. In this context, he brings, Mark records the first parable that Jesus shares. It's significant in this few thing. It's significant in being fruitful. It's no coincidence with this. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to read 20 verses right now. Uh, This is where some of you go, oh, he's reading, I can check out. Do the opposite. What I read now is way more powerful than my narrative. Way more powerful. I'm going to read 20 verses from the Gospel of Mark. These, these, right here, right now, unmistakably, this is the Word of God, sharper than a double-edged sword. These words are the voice of heaven speaking into you today. I just get the opportunity to illuminate on it. But these words are it. So if you want to lean in, lean into this right now as I read it to you. And then I'll unpack it a little bit as time permits. Jesus, you'll see two things here to help you. He speaks to the crowd and then he speaks to the few. What he says to the crowd is not what he says to the few. How he declares to the crowd is revealed to the few. 
And here we are today. Sadly, we have a bias, a hindsight bias, but it makes a difference. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 20. Ready? You've heard it before, some of you. Some of you haven't. It's really interesting. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, Sea of Galilee. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, picture the scene. Verse three, first word. Listen. I'm already stopping. That's why I say slow down reading your Bible. This one went, oh, this week. Listen. Listen. Before the great commandments revealed in Deuteronomy chapter six, he doesn't dive into, you shall love the Lord your God before he says something before it. It's called Shema Israel. It's called, hear, O Israel, listen up. He's making, he's about to say something really important. Listen. Listen. I want to ask you the question. In your day-to-day life, in your time with God, are you living wide awake and ears open? Listen. Oh, I just don't see what God's doing. I just don't hear it. Listen. Arrested me. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's all he says to the crowd. Say what? Good story. Agricultural 101. What's going on? He just leaves them with that. Don't explain it. Just leaves them with a word picture. Just lets them sit with it. See ya. Now, the audience, the crowd listening, being Jewish culture, would have recognized that when Jesus ends with the 100-fold is a reference back to Genesis of where Isaac has some crops and he plants. And it says, and the Lord blessed him and his crop multiplied a hundredfold. He's referencing something, but what's he referencing? He's referencing God's blessing. It's only possible to have a hundredfold with God's blessing. Only God can do that. Hmm. Hmm. You can imagine the talk. He leaves it to that. See, we have this hindsight bias. We know that Jesus goes on to explain it. Is it the parable of the sower or the farmer? 
Is it the parable of the seeds? Is it the parable of the soil? Am I the farmer, the seed, the soil? Yes, yes, yes. Let's continue. Verse 10. When he was alone. Oh, oh, oh. time's passed. Big crowds tells him, leaves him. His priority wasn't the crowds. His priority was the few. And then it says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Can you imagine? Are you with Jesus? And, is it, and they're like, okay, Jesus, these stories, like, what are you on about? Like, really? We know there's something in this, but they genuinely have questions. Can I just put this, state the obvious here right now? Some of you are trying to follow Jesus and you've got questions and you're asking nobody. Because you think you should know it. I hardly know anything. Seriously, I make it up as I go along over time. I just find other people wiser than me and go help me out with this. It's got work and research and discovery and growing all the time. You don't know what you don't know until you find out you don't know. There's a simplistic application here, but some of you have got questions and you never ask them. What if a little child lived that way and you never answered the questions? Oh, no, you work it out on your own. Oh, I don't know how to do this math. I figure it out. How do I know? Just work it out. Hello. It's the enemy containing you. So who are your few that you're walking with to engage with questions in everyday life? So he asks these questions and he says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Can you imagine the wide-eyedness of these guys? It's a secret. We get to hear this. By the way, we've, we've all been released to it now, but wow. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. I'll get into that another week. Then he says, then Jesus said to them, oh, here we go. Don't you understand this parable? Uh, no, actually. Uh, how then will you understand any parable? I know, Jesus. That's why we're asking. So then he goes on. The farmer sows the word. This is kingdom. The farmer does that. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Notice it doesn't say kill it and take it away. Just unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, 
and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So I'm sure you're familiar with this parable. Many of you have been in and around church. And you're familiar with the application, and this is where it is, and you've heard it. I've preached this multiple times. You know, crossed my mind. Maybe I should go into my archives, find a, a sermon. I've preached on this before, and just regurgitate it. But I mean, slowing down. I'm going, what do I need to see, Lord? What, what do you need me to see here? And it was real personal. Real personal. It was like Des, at times, you're a farmer. Putting seed out. And there's at times you're a seed, you're a seed, and you need to grow. But the reality is where you grow and who you grow with is really significant. Think about your life and think about soil. But the purpose of your seed and the purpose of growth is that you, growth is that you bear fruit. Are you fruitful? And I sat with it, and then it says this. You were once a seed, and now that seed has started to produce something. Planted and you grew, remember your why. It wasn't so that I could be strong. It's so that I could bear fruit. And that fruit is seed bearing. That's the definition of a fruit. Whatever's got a seed in it is a fruit. Tomato is a fruit. Tomato is a fruit. <laughs> Cucumber is a fruit. Whatever's got a seed is a fruit. It can reproduce after itself. And so with that in mind, I was thinking about this, and it was like, okay. He said, and then when you do bear fruit and you have this seed, are you going to be like a farmer? Are you going to put that seed in, in good soil? What are you doing to help nurture somebody else in that soil? Well, what are you doing to invest? Because the way of Jesus was to invest in the few and be somebody who's a disciple of Jesus who is making disciples. Your role is to be a disciple maker. That, that's, that's what it is, and it's always about the few. The reality is, everybody here, if you walk with three, and they produce three, the, the law of multiplication is very exponential. But if we just go one to a thousand, yeah, we're all good. No. You, as a one, are you bearing fruit in the kingdom? And do you care about that? Or is it all about being a consumer? Now, I'll get into some of the practicals in a moment, but let me just dive into this a little bit to help. The reality is, let me give the analogy of human growth. When you are born a baby, that baby needs the dependent, dependent on a parent, dependent. And the purpose of a parent is to nurture that baby to become an infant, a toddler, a child. And at some point, the child lives childish ways, and that's called me, 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 me. That's what children do. That's mine. That's my toy. Get off that. I'm hungry. Feed me. That's what children do. And when they're a toddler, they don't have the capacity to feed themselves. So you spoon feed them, and you feed them. And when they're hungry... They say the word more. Ah! They say more. You do it. You make a noise. And then you're a toddler. Maybe if you don't get what you want, you throw a tantrum. And that's not what I want. And I need this. And I need it now. And I need it now. I don't apologize for this. Some of you have been in church for 40 years and you're still children. 
but I used to get all this. And what about me? And I need this. And, and feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. If that was a real human, that'd be child abuse and weird. Because there comes a point where you go from being a child to a young adult, and as a young adult, you desire to reproduce, correct? I'm just saying biology. And you hopefully maybe find a someone and there's a reproduced, there's a, there's a seed that needs to be sown and, and reproduced in that whole system. So when it comes to discipleship, Jesus calls you, you are saved and called to go and make disciples. And if, you're, if you think discipleship is set, but I'm going to 10 Bible studies, that is like being a child and going, ha, ah, ha, ah. Oh, I'm good now. Next week, hungry again. Nah. Feed me. I'm not getting what I want. Grow up. It's not what you're called to be. Jesus invests in these few. He takes these huge risks and says, go ahead. You're a contributor, not a consumer. And so in Big C Church, this matters so much. So, so much. So, Fruitfulness is the call of God from day one. Day one. God creates the heavens and the earth, and the pinnacle of his creation is he creates human. Male and female, he created them in his likeness. He creates them. The first audible words from God to humanity, they are not good morning. They are not worship me. This side, in, in Eden, in perfection, there's man and woman, the very first thing that God says to Adam and Eve, old school language, go forth and multiply. Modern language, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth with his goodness, his image, his likeness. Go do that. And that's why Satan attacks all identity of humanity. That's why Satan, and I'll just say this and leave it there a little bit for you to sit in. Why do you think when it comes to sexuality, there's such a struggle and an onslaught? Because in the very beginning, that which was God-ordained and beautiful is rooted in that sexuality and be fruitful and increase in number. And the fall comes and we're living with brokenness, Agreed? We're living with brokenness. There is hope in the one who brings restoration. There's stay on track. I'm already over time. Oh, wow. Okay, here we go. Question hit me. So, Des, are you fruitful? Are you bearing fruit? And, I, and Jesus came and said, Des, I, I desire to produce fruit in you. It's not about your striving. But there is a pathway here. Worship me. And in worshiping me, you'll want to obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Worship first. Love God. Keep my commandments. That always will overflow into serving others. It'll always flow into the benefit of others. It would always flow in and pass this on. Always want to nurture others. That's what it will always be. And so we get to verse 18 to 20. And let me just say this. He says, still others that like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life. Would you raise a hand if the worries of this life distract you? Could be this week. Could be right now. Could be the worries of this life. 
my hand, if I, I need more hands. The worries of this life. Secondly, the deceitfulness of wealth. Raise your hands if you wrestle with that. The deceitfulness of wealth. That your security is in wealth. Your purpose is gain more wealth. Your focus is wealth. I need an insurance policy against the insurance policy, if, just in case the insurance policy. And I want to make sure that when I'm this age, I've got everything else. There's a difference between wise stewardship and the deceitfulness of wealth. The desire for always wanting more. Don't forget when this was written. It's always been around. It's not a modern issue. The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things. What do you mean by other things? Things not the way God originally intended you to have. Things not the way he desires. Other things means stuff that you know you shouldn't desire. Anybody wrestle with that? I'm like, <laughs> what? This is beautiful. It's beautiful. And they come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. And I felt like if I had time today, I felt like saying, oh, to sit down with all of us and have a little chat. Can we talk about the, de the deceitfulness of wealth with somebody else? What about the worries of this life? And the desire for other things, because guess what they do to us? They choke us so that we become unfruitful. Isn't this one interesting? It isn't that you're dead, just unfruitful. So what is causing me to be unfruitful? He's like, lady, ow. He's speaking to his disciples and he's speaking to me and you. And that is why we can't do this following Jesus on our own. Who are you walking with that you can see, for whatever reason, they can see you, you can see them, it's unfruitful. Who are you walking with that somebody can go, dude, I can see some thorns rising up around you. Get off him. Get off him in the name of Jesus. We will not allow you to be unfruitful. Who's speaking into your life like that? The desire for other things. Who's able to give you wisdom? Who's able to come alongside and walk? It's the way it always is, but it's always with a few. You need to be walking with a few. And some of you are here and you go, I don't have anybody in my life. The reality is that person might be sat right in front of you, behind you or next to you. You've never asked them. Some of you are brand new believers. Yeah, I'm more like a baby though, Jesus. Des, I'm like a baby. I don't know much. I, I need somebody else. Correct. Some of you who are more mature in the faith, you are a spiritual parent. Who are you parenting? And I mean, who are you parenting? Because if you're parenting nobody, you're being disobedient. And I mean, you're being disobedient. Because when Jesus said, go and make disciples, he didn't say, when you feel like it. It's your life along the way. Who are you getting alongside? Who are you helping? Who are you nurturing? Which spiritual child are you saying, it's, it's time for grown-up behavior. It's time for grown-up behavior. You can self-feed now. Now, who are you passing that on to? And listen to me. You will know things and grow more about God when you talk about him to somebody else than you ever will looking in a mirror. Something about that passing along that's so important. But the enemy wants to contain you and he wants you to be unfruitful because that's the spreading of his kingdom. But it's okay to say, do you know what, right now, I wanna be fruitful, but I, in honesty, the worries of this life. Some of you didn't sleep well last night because of the worries of this life. I get it, I get it. 
the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, they scream loud at me every day. Every day. And there are many a day where I go, oh, okay. And I'm like, what's going on? I don't have the energy to talk about God's goodness because I'm being choked right now. But I'm not dead. So, whew, I said to myself after the nine, I won't go as long in the 11. Yeah, not working out that one, Des. Let's move on. Verse 20 then goes on to say, others like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it. And produce a crop, 30, 60, and God's blessing. Hear the word, accept it. This, this different language for the same thing over and over again. Those who believe and receive. That language is in the, in the scriptures a lot. Believe in him and receive. Believe and receive that Jesus is who he is and what he has for you is salvation and forgiveness and restoration and hope and strength and grace and mercy and love unfailing. Believe and receive. Hear it, accept. He says, and by the way, you need to believe that he sent his Holy Spirit, but you need to receive. Believe and receive. You'll receive the Holy Spirit and the power of God in you. Believe and receive and live that way. Believe and receive that you don't earn his salvation, his forgiveness. He has paid for it on the cross and he has risen again. You have to believe, but you have to receive. And if we believe and we receive and then we worship the king and in so worshiping we're obedient and obedience we serve and in serving we then want to have this purposeful life and a meaningful life and a passion for life and all of a sudden our identity is found in our purpose and meaning and passion. As a result, I want to worship my king and in worshiping my king, I become obedient to him and being obedient, I'll be his servant and being his servant, I find purpose and I find passion and I find meaning and so I then want to worship my king and I want to be obedient to him. Hello, there's the pattern. That's what Jesus was placing into his disciples. Worship me. As a response, you want to follow me. Listen to what I have to say to you. Learn my words and I'll live my ways. And in so doing, purpose and meaning and passion comes back around again, but don't be have a look at where you're planted all the time. Because you're not just a dead seed. You're living and you're breathing. I need to look around and go, whoa, I've stepped in the thorny patch. And repentance is, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm in the thorny patch right now. I'm coming back to you and putting myself in good soil. And guess what? Good soil always looks like others around you in good soil. So you pray, but not always praying alone. You worship, but not always worshiping alone. You're in the Word, but not always on your own. You're helping others. How can you do the one another's of the Scripture without another to do the one another with? It's living it out in fullness. That's what you get called to do. So, land it, Des. I'll land it. Close it, or I'll keep talking. So today, I'm going to put it real cookies on the bottom shelf for all of us. This is what Jesus was doing throughout the gospel of Mark. I want to invite all our prayer partners and our elders who are in the room to come down front right now. The reality is, this is shepherding. 
This is leadership. This isn't control, compliance, and governance. This is love and grace and mercy and care. And what you're going to do today in this last song is your response is this. Some of you, and I'll label it, right now, the worries of this life are really loud. I understand. Trust me, I understand. So don't sit in them alone. Come to the front for prayer and go, here's my worries of my life right now. Will you pray for me in this? And will you enable me? Lord, I want to be in good soil because the worries of this life, I feel I'm choking. Come under the canopy of God and in his sovereignty and break that. Break that, literally, the, the thorny things. Somebody come and prune them off. The deceitfulness of wealth. Some of you are chasing about the shiny things of life or maybe there's a whole big concern around that. It needs to be broken, needs to be cut. Come out front for that. Thirdly, some of you, the desire for other things. And, and, and that's just, wow. It's like, and everything else. But the heartbeat of the why is, Lord, you have created me to bear fruit and fruit that's last. It's your fruit. This is who you've designed me to be. Lord, would you send me, be fruitful and increase in number. And that's discipleship. So Lord, you're making a response today. Lord, commission me to be a disciple who makes disciples. I commit to investing in other people's lives. Or if you're not, you're still very, very young in the faith. Lord, I want to come out and I want to say, put me with people. And that might be shoulder tapping somebody near you. Come to the connection point. Let's connect you up. It's everything. Disciples who make disciples. Our eldership is committed to this this year more than ever before. We have to be investing in the few. Investing in the few. You get it? Let's stand and I'll pray. During this song, come out for prayer in all of this. And those planted in good soil will produce a fruit, a crop, 30, 60, 100 fold. And that starts with you and a few. King Jesus, we first of all make a declaration. Lord, you showed us that less is more. And so Lord, would you reveal to us our next step, and for many today it's this, the deceitfulness of wealth. We wanna come, Lord, and break that in the name of Jesus. The worries of this life, Lord, we know they're there and they'll constantly be there, but we wanna put them under your throne, under your rule and your reign and your strength. We come today and we want to break that and the desire for other things. Lord, it's not that other things won't exist, but we put you first. We need you first, Lord. And would you cause everybody here who declares the name of Jesus to commit, Lord, we hear your voice, go and make disciples. We want to be about your mission, Jesus. And for those today in this room who have yet to surrender to giving their life fully to you, Jesus. I pray right now, they take a step out of the seat, come down front and say, my life is not about me, but I wanna receive that salvation, receive forgiveness. I believe and receive, receive the assurance of eternity, but also receive purpose, meaning, destiny, and passion and strength that is only found in the Creator. In Jesus' name, amen.